so you know it's just tongue-in-cheek approaches to beer that we like all right let's just have fun let's make ourselves laugh let's because i think that's what um you know at the end of the day that's what everybody's looking for when they when they drink a beer is let's have a good time let's laugh and and enjoy the product that's in front of us and so if we can accomplish um those those fronts by just being authentically you know us and and having that tongue-in-cheek approach to it let's just do that Welcome to the Craft Beer Travel and Adventure Podcast with Living a Stout Life. This is where we sit down with creative thinkers, on-the-road adventurers, and craft beer lovers. Your hosts, Ken and April, live, work, and travel in a 24-foot RV in search of inspiring stories around a great beer. Welcome to Greeley, Colorado. I'm not in Greeley, Colorado. From Montana. Yes, I am in Montana. Yes. So we, we recorded this True. while sitting in a Cracker Barrel parking lot <laughs> in Montana. <laughs> this is true. This is true. This is what happens when you got to get work done. Oh, so wait. So welcome to Even Cracker Barrel. Welcome to Cracker Barrel, Montana. So yes, physically we are located in Montana, uh, but we're actually traveling virtually to Greeley, Colorado. And no, we're not talking about cows. And, and if anybody knows like Greeley or anybody knows Colorado, that area, it's just got this, I don't know, everybody talks about the smell that comes from Greeley. I think we should talk about the smell that comes from the fruited beers out of Wiley Roots. Kenny just looks deflated like he was going to say something and I took his I line. I had a great line. Okay, I thought you were going to talk about the cow smell that comes out of Greeley because that's what it has been known for for years. Okay, talk about for the people cow. That have ever been around Greeley, they think, ah, oh, it smells like cow, okay, cow there's manure. A, there's cow smells and cow manure. Because there's from, a lot of cows. From Greeley. But I would rather talk about the smells that are now coming out of Greeley these last, like, 8, 10, 12 years is the smell of beer. Yeah, because the brewery scene there has totally... Yeah, since since Wiley Roots landed there a, a few years ago, uh, several years ago... It's kind of, it's not exploded kind of like Denver, but you know, for Greeley, there's a, I think uh, Kyle told us who you're going to learn about soon, um, told us there's about eight breweries there now, which is a lot considering Greeley is a pretty small community. In a small little farming town, farming community of Greeley. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. We have not been there yet. So it's definitely another place. Well, we've been there virtually, but it's definitely well, another place. I, I've been there like growing up and stuff when they had like the Greeley Stampede and all you that went kind of to thing, the brewery but... growing up. No, not the brewery. I'm talking Just... about the brewery. No, sorry, I'm talking <laughs> Greeley in general. I, I guess we got to get on the same page here. I was talking in Greeley, Greeley in page? general, but no, we haven't really. Um, we definitely haven't been to Wiley Roots, and we haven't really. We haven't done a brewery tour through Greeley. It mm. just. Hasn't been something that we that we made time for, but so, you know, after talking to Kyle, I really want to go. <laughs> well, so on that note, again, we're grateful and thankful for Malt Europe because this is another one of our series with Malt Europe highlighting the breweries that they work with for American Craft Beer, American Craft Beer Week. If I could speak proper English, um, so we're excited for that opportunity to be able to um, air quotes here meet Kyle Carbow from Wiley Roots Brewing in Greeley through Malt Europe's highlighting of these wonderful breweries yeah i mean that's been a really fun part of this for me is getting like i've said before it's bittersweet because we're not there getting to see the brewery I right now i think he said but, it like three or four times now well pretty soon everybody's gonna remember my nickname is now bittersweet so when you see me just call me bittersweet and <laughs> but yeah i mean i'm i'm looking forward to now that we're um in montana probably for the next several months and not going to be anywhere near Greeley for a good half a year. I'm looking forward to going back to Greeley <laughs> to visit Greeley. But there has to be a reason, I guess, to go to Greeley, and that would be one of them. Oh yeah, Wiley, <laughs> Wiley Roots is, has now given me a great reason. To we go sound like visit. we're giving Greeley a bad name. It's really not. As far as no, I know, it's not, not a bad all. town, and people who live there will probably love their town. So I'm not going to like diss out on Greeley. No, it's yeah. it's a very <clears throat> great. It's a very good area. It's you know a more a town built around a rural community and and that type of thing yeah so you know it's got that down home feel and has that old colorado feel not not so much like when you're in the big cities and stuff it's a nice hometown but kyle it was fun talking to kyle um and learning how he decided to start a brewery and then you know learning more about him and the business there and 
of course, you know, the typical impacts and some not typical kind of impacts of COVID and just struggles of a brewery in general. And it, I love everyone. So in the brewing community, there seems to be this common thread that everyone has because it's a brewery. But I love everybody's unique stories behind that common thread. And that's what Kyle gives us, too, is another unique right. story. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, probably a good 90 plus percent of brewers and stuff you talk to are going to say, yeah, I started as a home brewer. And uh, and that's, of course, you start some everybody. We all start somewhere. And that's a pretty logical place for most people to start. Most people don't say, yeah, I started brewing by um, applying for my first job when I was 18 years old at Anheuser-Busch and they hired me to be their brewmaster of all the world of beer. <laughs> you know, you don't start at the top. So... <laughs> But, but there are a lot of really cool, unique stories and, and interesting stories about how breweries started and how they developed, you know, over time. And, and this is kind of one of those fun ones. Yeah. It involves a horse barn. A horse barn. Well, that makes sense. So we will let Kyle tell his story about... Horse barn in a cow town. Wiley Roots. All right. Um, let's do it. All right. Here's Kyle. So I am uh, Kyle Carbaugh. Uh, with Wiley Roots Brewing Company, and uh, I am the uh, technically CEO and director of brewing operations, but uh, really what that means is uh, jack of all trades and just <laughs> trying to keep the, the wheels on the bus moving forward. So um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's an interesting job. No, no day is the same. So <laughs> are you still the head brewer at Wiley Roots or... Did you kind of hand off most of the brewing duties now? Yeah, you know, we're in a, uh, a little bit of a transition. Uh, most of the like hands-on mash paddle work is being done uh, by my production manager. And um, we've got uh, a couple of people that, that have just recently joined us to kind of lend a hand as well. Um, so that being said, I still like putting boots on and getting on the brew deck. And, and uh, you know, we just finished an expansion. So uh, brewing means a lot. Uh, it means something completely different now with this expansion uh, than it used to. So, um, you know, for gosh, seven and a half years, we were brewing on a like dairy, dairy tank mash, um, mash ton with just like a copper manifold in the bottom graining in. Uh, we, we used to grain in by hand um, and grain out, uh, <laughs> shoveling out the top of the mash ton. Um, but we made a few improvements in the last couple of years. We put in a, a mill and an auger motor or an auger system with the mill um, that would actually convey it straight to the, to the mash town. And then uh, we finally put in a, uh, a manway in the, in the old dairy tank. So brew, brewing used to be very, very hands-on, very manual. It was, a, it was something where you uh, definitely didn't need a, man, a, a gym membership um, because of how much work there was. So, <laughs> but um, so how did, um, before we get back into the expansion a little bit more, how did Wiley Roots get its roots? And where did the name come from? <laughs> yeah, great question. Um, so I started um, uh, just as a home brewer, um, making, you know, five gallon batches uh, of beer on, on the, uh, on the stovetop at my house. And uh, it definitely came from some encouragement from my wife to say like, you need to get a hobby. I was like, okay, sounds good. I'll get a hobby. At the time, I was a, a certified public accountant working for a public accounting firm uh, in Denver doing like SEC audits, just real monotonous stuff. And um, I, I definitely needed an outlet. <laughs> so she, uh, she encouraged that. And uh, the very first batch of beer that I made turned out absolutely awesome. You know, here, you hear these like horror stories about homebrewing. Where like, you know, oh, I tried it once and like never could make anything that was, you know, even palatable or it took so much time. I just didn't really enjoy it. And that kind of thing. You know, my experience with uh, with the very first batch is like turned out fantastic. Shared it with friends. And they're like, you guys, you can really sell this. I was like, oh, OK. Well, batch two came around and it was absolutely horrendous. <laughs> um, and so I was like, ah, this is where those stories come from. Uh, and so I was like, well, I've made, you know, uh, what I what I thought was really really good beer it was the first batch something super simple and very you know kind of pedestrian kind of thing um and then I made really terrible beer and I I said all right this is going to be a fun pursuit to learn you know exactly why the first batch was was good the second batch was not good and how do we make more of the first and less of the latter um 
and so that kind of began the journey as uh you know as a home brewer and um it just kind of grew out of control from there um expanded into all grain brewing in the basement and uh then we moved everything uh to my parents uh old horse barn up in Greeley. Um, we were living in Denver at that point and uh moved everything up to Greeley and uh started brewing on our on our pilot system and it just kind of took off from there so how did that transition go from cpa to wanting to own a <laughs> brewery because home brewing is a very different thing than owning a brewery <laughs> sure sure yeah um <laughs> you know um at the time when i was working for the public accounting firm you know i was just working crazy hours uh i was working you know 80 90 hours a week um during busy season and um, I just kind of got to the point where I was like, what am I doing this for? And, you know, I can do this for the next, you know, 35 years as a career and then retire. And then, you know, then what, or, you know, I can, you know, kind of launch out on my own, do my own thing. And, and how does that, how does that, how does that look? And, um, you know, those, those kind of questions all came about at the same time that, that I was encouraged to take up a hobby. And, uh, so it was like, oh, well, this this is cool. And this is happening in the industry right now. You know, this is all back in 2007, 2008. Um, so it was right around the time of the, uh, uh, you know, the financial crisis with the mortgage, uh, you know, home mortgage industry and all that stuff. Um, and so just watching all of that go down, I was like, well, you know, if, uh, if all this goes, goes down and in flames, you know, how do I wish it would have gone? So, um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of, kind of the genesis for it all. So, I have a quick fun one. Wait, wait, I went. Um, so do you work more hours now or less than your 80? <laughs> <laughs> so I became acutely aware of how many hours there were in the week uh, <laughs> when we started the brewery because I was still working my day job. I had transitioned from the public accounting firm to a, uh, um, I work for a telecom company uh, that's now uh, gotten acquired and is, is uh, you know, one of the main uh, like internet providers around this area. And uh so I was working my, my day job on top of opening the brewery, on top of, you know, bartending shifts. I mean, it, when we first started, it was just my wife and I. And uh, we, uh, <laughs> I, I became acutely aware that there are 168 hours in a week, and I was working approximately 110 of those. Um, it was obviously including a commute, including, you know, just, just being awake on the road, doing stuff, either a day job or, you know, or the... Uh, uh, yeah, or the build out of the brewery or running the brewery and did that for about a year and a half. And then it was like, all right, I need to stop doing this. So now I'm I'm actually working probably a little bit more than what I was uh, with the uh, public accounting firm, but not what I was when I when, when we first opened. So, yeah, it was it was gnarly. So when you when you moved to the horse barn, is that where Wiley Roots started? Is that was that That's, did you actually sell out of that? Was that the first location? Um, we never sold anything because we knew that uh, that was going to be kind of our R&D facility. It was a place okay. where, um, you know, we were looking for something with relatively low overhead. And, and uh, we were talking to my parents and I said, you know, this is what I want to do. What do you guys think? And they said, well, you know, you know, I was looking at, at getting lease space for just just to store all the stuff that I had accumulated. We had accumulated two seven barrel fermenters. Uh, one barrel pilot system, a glycol chiller. We started accumulating all this stuff. And I was like, well, we can, we can find a storage unit or, you know, some small, like, you know, um, commercial lease space that we could start turning this up in, or is there another option? My parents were like, just put it in the horse barn. And so that, that was our, our research and development facility. It was a very, very low overhead. Uh, the overhead was um, basically my dad got a, a cut of anything that we made <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and got to uh, have, unfettered access to uh to the taps if he if he were were so inclined so that was the stipulation i think he only ever ended up having a, a handful of beers or something like that at the, at the barn but yeah, it was uh um it was a good arrangement so and where did wiley roots where did the name come from yeah um so my my nickname growing up was actually uh wiley and i got it from my aunt um you know i was a very uh, precocious uh somewhat hot-tempered redheaded child growing up very very difficult to, to handle um so much so that that uh, the story goes that my <laughs> my mom called my aunt at one point and said i need two hours away from this kid can you watch him and uh she was like yeah no problem um drops me off 
and about uh, after about two hours, my aunt was like, "You have got a wily one on your hands," and uh, and, and it stuck. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, we were originally Wiley Brewing Company, but uh, you know the roots came in uh, just kind of to pay homage to uh, moving back to uh, Greeley from you know kind of uh, where we were we're going on this like corporate life and, and, you know, looking at, at very like white collar kind of career tra trajectory. And then, you know, saying like, now let's go back to, back to our roots, to a town that uh, definitely needs a brewery. It's a little bit more like uh, blue collar in nature. And um, yeah, just kind of uh, get back to that kind of manual labor aspect side of, of life and, and, you know, where some of our, our passions lie. So. So you're working, about the same hours as you were kind of when you were an accountant, but so, but th there seems to be like more passion involved in your work now. So what's like, what's something that really excites you about the brewing industry or Wiley Roots itself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there, there's definitely an ability to, to create, um, you know, in terms of, of uh, uh, the product that, that we make um, in terms of the beers that we make. Um, there's a level of, of just creative process that goes into that. And I think that's uh, a really interesting aspect. I think, you know, where I, you know, my mindset really gets to uh, thrive or, or the things that I'm really passionate about is, you know, um, it used to just be thought of as, as kind of creating in a silo in the sense that, you know, you make something and you think about things and what you're excited about, what you're passionate about, and then you kind of transition it from making to then you just hand it over and see if people like it. And um, as we've gotten a little bit more experienced in the industry and, and have have done that and made some mistakes. Um, we we kind of come full circle and we start with, here's an idea. What do we think, you know, would be interesting about that? And then passing it through the lens of, well, how do we communicate it and what makes it interesting for other people to drink? And so that, um, you know, that equation and, and solving that equation is, is one of the things that I think is one of the most fun aspects about the brewing industry, especially the way that we approach it with rotating skews. And, um, you know, we don't really have flagship beers. We have flagship lanes, if you will, but everything is, is kind of a, a, a different take or, you know, it's, it's always continually going back to the drawing board of how do we make this better and how do we pass it through the lens of what makes it meaningful for someone that's going to drink it. So you're, um, talking about like making it interesting for people and you seem to have found kind of a niche or an interesting piece with you focusing more on like fruited sours is that yep. correct? yeah fruited sours we do a lot of hazy ipas some stouts with uh you know some pastry stouts some barrel aged stouts um we've gotten really really deep into the mixed culture side of things um but yeah i would say our, our primary focus is on sours fruited sours and just you know drinkable beer if you will um and, and that really is kind of a product when, you know, I, I mentioned that the, we got into the mixed culture side of things. Um, that was probably in the 2016, 2015, 2016 timeframe when we had gone through this, this initial wave when we started up the brewery of making, um, you know, what I call something beers. There's, it's kind of something for everyone. It's uh, something light, something dark, something hoppy and something malty. And, and that was kind of our, uh, the way that we kind of approach beer is just trying to make make something and um you know that's that's good fine and well but it, i don't know that it really delivers on is it interesting um it's going to be more interesting than just a something kind of beer um and so that's when we got into the mixed culture side of things and said all right well let's make some you know funky farmhouse sours some heavily fruited uh you know american wild ales those kinds of things and and kind of went through that iteration um but we were taking it so seriously, um, you know, that that period of time from like late 2015 until like I'd say 2018, we we're just taking everything so seriously with our approach to beer. And um, we kind of came out of that that season and said, let's just go back to making beer fun. You know, there was a lot of in the industry, there was a lot of push to be method traditional. And, you know, how do you make something that's uh, spontaneously fermented and putting all these constraints around you know, the definition of what you're making. And we just got back to the point of like, let's just make something fun. And that's where slush was born. And out of that came uh, a number of tongue in cheek approaches to, uh, you know, some different beers, whether it be the County Fair Cobbler, where 
we uh, basically award ourselves blue ribbons every time we come out with that beer. Um, <laughs> it's for the for the best pie in the county. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's just tongue in cheek approach. It's the beer that we like. All right, let's just have fun. Let's make ourselves laugh. Let's because I think that's what um, you know. At the end of the day, that's what everybody's looking for when they when they drink a beer is let's have a good time. Let's laugh and and enjoy the product that's in front of us. And so if we can accomplish um, those those fronts by just being authentically you know us and, and having that tongue-in-cheek approach to it let's just do that so. so you talked a lot about um making it interesting for the for the drinker for, mm-hmm. for us craft beer fans to come in but how much of that was also a little maybe self-indulgent to, indulgent to keep it interesting for you too did that have a lot to do with it as well so that you're just not yeah mm-hmm. i can make a wheat beer i can make an amber i can make a stout and yeah, you can make those and make them very well done beers, but was it something to keep your creative juices flowing as well by kind of going down this different road? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, when we got to this, uh, this very, very serious period of time of like, let's put all the constraints around how we're making beer, you know, that was interesting from a technical aspect and how we were approaching it. And, you know, when we ticked all those boxes and said, yes, we can make beer by putting it in our, on our mash tun and leaving it outside overnight and, and doing a spontaneous inoculation. And we, when we taste that, yeah, it's, it's cool, but is the, is the flavor of the beverage, you know, you, you went through all this interesting work up front, but is, is what is in the glass, you know, interesting and different. And how do you put different and interesting takes on it, but, but still be excited about it. There are absolutely spontaneous brewers who are still doing that. Um, that I think make very, very interesting beers. Um, you know, for us, I think we just didn't want to get wrapped up so much into how things were being made that we lost the, you know, the end goal of what's in the glass. So when you talk about, you know, was it self-indulgent? Absolutely. It was, it started as self-indulgent of, of let's just go back to having fun and making interesting, you know, combinations. How do we, how do we take on, you know, take kind of a chef's approach to, you know, flavor combinations and, and creating something that's unique in, in, in the final product, not just unique in the way that it's made. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, that focus or that recentering on that was just absolutely self-indulgent. And at the same time, uh, you know, it was done so with, with an intention to, uh, you know, also be somewhat customer focusing and saying, all right, if we find this interesting and, and we're, we're, inspired by this it's going to be a lot easier for us to be able to articulate you know why we made this beer with the intention of of the beer in the glass being interesting more so than everything that led up to it with the process side if that makes sense absolutely yeah so you know you were wiley roots was one of the first breweries in greeley colorado now I think we were talking before we before we came on air, and I think you said there's now about eight or so. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how big were you guys when you started, and how big are you now? And and also <laughs> give us a little bit on the expansion plans. Yeah, absolutely. When we first opened our doors, um, we had two seven barrel uh, fermenters, so seven barrel conical fermenters. Uh, we had acquired a, a Grundy tank, a jacketed Grundy tank that we were like, all right, we're going to make beer with this. And we, we made one batch in it and we're like, nope, <laughs> this is not at all how we want to make beer. Um, it was, it was completely undersized for what we were trying to do. And it was just, was not a, not a great vessel for, <laughs> for, for where we were going. So we really only, only ever used, um, the two seven barrel fermenters when we first opened. So our, our total uh, production or production output in the first six months that we were open was um, just shy of 150 barrels. So if you extrapolate that around to uh, a full year, it was about 300 barrels of, of annual production capacity. Um, fast forward to where we're at right now, um, we have 13 different fermentation vessels ranging from sevens all the way up to thirties. Um, we just finished the expansion of our 30 barrel brew house. Um, and this, uh, in the last, uh, it's been up and running for about three weeks now. And in the three weeks that it's been up and running, 
uh, we've produced just shy of 300 barrels. So um, to go from 300 barrels of annual production capacity to doing that in three weeks is absolutely mind blowing. Wow. That's, in, that's incredible. So what was it like? I mean, obviously these expansion plans have been in place for a little bit, probably pre pandemic times, you were probably already planning that, but uh, how has it been navigating the whole, the last year with, with COVID and, and how did that impact your plans for expanding? Yeah, I mean, you know, before we were on this uh, trajectory of like, all right, let's add, you know, a couple of 15 barrel fermenters every year and take a very measured approach to it because we didn't want to go from, you know, zero to, you know, 100, um, you know, zero miles an hour, you know, whatever we were at, 15 miles an hour, whatever, to, you know, we were just cruising. And, uh, you know, we were steady trajectory making it, making sure that every decision we were making was very sustainable in terms of how many hours we were putting into being able to do it, what we were requiring of people to be able to do it, um, taking a very measured approach to that. When the pandemic hit, we basically said, all right, well, no more keg, uh, keg volume, and we're just going to put everything into cans. And, uh, we pivoted in two days. And we were able to do that because we had a canning line and we had a source of cans and we had, we had a lot of materials on hand. So we just pivoted really, really hard and, and went that way. And over the course of probably about six weeks, um, you know, we, we completely expected our taproom uh, volume of, of what people were willing to, you know, purchase out of the taproom directly from us. We expected that to just completely nosedive. So our allocation went from, you know, about, we were about 80% of our volume was going through the tap room and then about 20% was going through wholesale distribution. And so we changed our allocation and opened up a lot of wholesale distribution saying like, all right, we're just going to push this out to wholesale because we don't think anybody's going to come to the tap room now that everybody's shut down. And um, so we, we held a little bit for the tap room and sent a bunch out to the wholesale. And we could not have been more wrong about that. Um, it's probably the best wrong decision or wrong, wrong, uh, the best, best way of being wrong. Um, we started selling out of beers, uh, through wholesale within hours of making it available to our wholesale partners, you know, our retail partners, um, in the same right, we started selling out of beers in the tap room, uh, in a matter of a, a day or two. Um, and it was like, that just took us three weeks to make and we're gone or, you know, it's, it's done in two days effectively and um it was one of those things where we were like i don't know how long this wholesale thing's gonna last so we're just gonna keep you know pushing it out and hopefully they don't get shut down and we'll just see see where everything lands and that really just kind of took us from that you know very metered pace driving a car at you know 15 30 miles an hour through through a school zone whatever um to you know now we're uh last September, we were trying to crank out 12 turns in a week. Um, so 12, 12 actual turns on the brew house. Um, and with those being kettle sours, they were two day residency times in the, uh, in the brew house. So, uh, every beer had to spend two days in the brew house, as opposed to just being able to turn those beers through the brew house and into the fermenter. And it was, it was murderous. Uh, we were working seven days a week for 18 hour days you know, with no end in sight. And that's, uh, that was kind of the catalyst for like, all right, we need to, we need to think about this differently. We can't keep doing this. This is not sustainable. So. so would you say like that was one of the biggest challenges of just COVID is just trying to adapt to it. And then also along the same lines, you've also mentioned a lot of positive, positive impacts from it really. I mean, trying to find something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's definitely been, I mean, uh, I think we're, <laughs> relatively keenly aware of the negative impacts of, of COVID uh, and the COVID situation that happened in, in you know, the entire business landscape. Um, I think, you know, there's one that, that I think is really worth talking about, and I'll, I'll catch back to that. Um, but as far as the benefits, the positives that, that we've experienced, absolutely. You know, I don't, I don't, and I'm very aware, like, this is not necessarily everybody's experience in the beer industry, especially, you know, if you didn't have a way to package your beer, man, it was, uh, it was not a, a pretty situation at all. If you, if you only had a crowler machine, I mean, I, I have friends in the industry that only had a crowler machine and they were running those things like crazy. And that's, that, that, 
you know, I, I really feel for people that, that had to do that, um, you know, or that that was their only way to, to kind of keep the, the wheels on the bus, so to speak. So, um, but yeah, I would say, that, you know, for, for us and our experience with COVID, it was definitely one of those things that forced us to get our beer out in more places and, um, you know, really push that, that distribution side of things, um, which we always expected to be kind of a competing priority with the tap room. And, and for us in that situation, it became almost like a sense of advertising of like, here's our beer, it's on the liquor store shelves. There's also things that we don't distribute um, just because of the nature of the beers that they are. And we, you know, those are only available through the tap room. So if you want those, come come up to the tap room. And it, it, it definitely uh, worked from a marketing strategy, strategy or marketing um, plan side of things is that uh, we were able to execute growing both wholesale and tap room um, at the same time, despite, you know, there being all these restrictions and, you know, everything going on in the midst of, of, of the pandemic. So you mentioned something like a story that you said was worth <laughs> talking about. Yeah, I, I think the the uh, piece that, you know, we're not probably talking about enough, um, either as an industry in, in the brewing industry or, um, you know, the, uh, I don't know, the, the overall business climate is just uh, the um, mental health impacts that have been uh, prevalent, you know, as part of, um, you know, all of a sudden the landscape changes overnight we all have to adapt and react very, very quickly. And um, the stakes are, you know, could never be, could never have been higher. And that, um, you know, that just has a huge impact on people's mental well-being. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where we got to cut, cut everybody some slack. So, <laughs> but um, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we, we've experienced it just with some, you know, employee turnover that like, this is not a, always a fun place to be in with the goals that we have, to, uh, you know, the, the goals slash requirements that, that we have to meet based on this completely changed and, and different landscape and dynamics. So mental health is something that's just a huge impact throughout this entire, I mean, throughout the pandemic and then even before and after it now is just going to be something we don't know the impacts of fully. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's going to have uh, very much ripple effects throughout. So, um, yeah, so it's 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 hard because you know on it, it's kind of the the yin to the yang on the on on the positive end of everything. We've seen this tremendous growth on the on the opposite side. You know, everybody's just completely <laughs> worked their uh, worked themselves into the ground. You know, um, you know, my friends in the industry with uh, you know other brewery owners that that have the same same story. And how do you balance you know all the stresses of of the changing landscape at the same time of uh, you know being able to take care of yourself? So kind of crazy yeah it is crazy and i i think just this whole the whole situation was horrible you know for the last year it was it was a tough year for everybody so i think it's going to take a lot of us to just kind of have each other's backs coming out of this thing and and just checking on each other you know and say hey how, how are you doing today you know and, and really maybe yep. listen more than we used to and listen for absolutely them. but yeah well, speaking speaking of like support and community and like just even mental health awareness, how have you seen from your community or even from your vendors or from other businesses? How have you seen that support throughout this past year? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think uh, you know, with uh, I, I can point to one vendor specifically who's been really really supportive of us and and has done everything they can to kind of help us uh, you know minimize the stress of of this specific lane, and that's our uh, that's our fruit lady. Um, big shout out to the Source of Nature gals, uh, Alex and, and Lavelle. Um, you know, they uh, they came in clutch so many times for us to be able to provide fruit, um, you know, for different beers that we were doing. Um, we started this this whole series to kind of uh, feature fruit uh, called A Visit from the Fruit Lady. And, uh, you know, just uh, them being a, a partner in the business and being able to um, I say a partner in the business in the sense that, you know, being a partner in, in the, the supply chain side of things, um, you know, dropping off fruit and being able to have a conversation about, you know, Hey, how's your day going? How's this going? You know, just the stresses of, of brewery life. And, and they were very well, very well aware of, of all those stresses and being able to just kind of being a sounding board through all of that. And so it was, uh, you know, when we say a visit from the fruit lady, it was, you know, they would literally drop off fruit, but, you know, we'd hang out, have a conversation from a distance, masks and everything. And 
just be like, yeah, this is a grind. And they're like, yeah, we know it's, it's rough. So, um, so yeah, it, it was, uh, through, through all of that pandemic, there was a little bit of a bright spot that, uh, you know, our fruit ladies were, were there and, and, uh, just definitely a steadfast partner for us. I love it. That's great. Well, that said, coming out of this, I'm going to ask you the multi-billion dollar question. Where do you see craft beer heading? It's like, oh. <laughs> as if, as if uh, it wasn't hard enough question to figure out. Yeah. First place. You know, I think the crystal ball for, for craft beer is, is a, uh, it's a moving target for sure. Um, I can tell you what we do see with, or at least what we see with, um, uh, with the craft beer consumer, you're starting to see a lot of, um, I guess, polarization in terms of what people are drinking. People are either going completely back to, I want lagers, I want clean, I want crisp, I want drinkable. Um, and then you've got the other side of it, which is I want everything to be completely over the top. Every flavor is amplified, whether it's fruit, whether it's, whether it's an adjunct, uh, you know, pastry stouts, pastry sours, smoothie sours, all those kinds of things, you know, taking, taking everything and, and dialing it up to 11. So I think you're starting to see the polarization of, of both of those. Um, I think at the same time, you know, watching that in the craft beer side of things, um, we also have to be aware of, we're not just competing for, uh, you know, what, what people are drinking within the craft space, but we're also, you know, there's still a lot of conversion to be done with, with new, new beer drinkers and, uh, people who are, are going to, you know, the quote unquote healthier side of, uh, of, of adult beverages, you know, whether that be, um, you know, seltzers or low calorie, low ABV beers or non-alcoholic beers. Um, you know, I think those are all, uh, different, different threads within, uh, the craft beer industry that, you know, for long-term viability and sustainability of the business, um, you definitely have to kind of keep an eye on those threads and figure out how you can participate in those, uh, um, in those, those different uh, undercurrents without, you know, completely losing your identity and um, just doing it the way that everybody else is doing it. So right. still maintaining a voice and having fun <laughs> yeah, and having fun and making it interesting. Yes. So. <laughs> so speaking of that, what are you do having fun with right now? Like what's the latest beers you're brewing? You know, we just launched into slush season. Um, it was about two weeks ago that, uh, uh, we, we did our first slush release. We've got two more beers uh, releasing this week. Uh, we've got our passion fruit orange guava slush. And then uh, we've got our strawberry daiquiri slush, which is strawberry lemon lime. A um, couple of frozen variants that are going in the machine that will be announced, I think, a little bit later today. Um, so, yeah, we've got a whole bunch of different things going on. Um, and obviously, you know, the fruit ladies are 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 definitely in the queue. I can't say too much without giving a, giving away all the, all the secrets. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of fun and exciting things going on, you know, at the same time, you know, figuring out how to make, make beer even better and more consistent on this, this new 30 barrel system. So. Well, I think from the flavors you just dropped there on the slush, people can kind of gather that there's going to be interesting things coming out when the, when the visit from the <laughs> fruit lady comes out, when new variants of that come out, there's going to be interesting things there too. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anything um, in the works for American Craft Beer Week that you know of yet? Um, uh, I need to connect up with our marketing team uh, about what exactly we're doing. Um, we've been so focused on the slush rollout and uh, all that fun stuff that uh, it's been on the back burner for a minute. And uh, yeah, more to come on that front. Can't wait. <laughs> Well, and you guys are known for doing a lot of fun stuff on site there too. Has it, are things getting to the point where you're going to be able to get back to having some of that fun in person? It's kind of activities going on at the, at the brewery out there. Yeah. We're starting to talk about it a little bit more. Um, you know, we're, we're being very, very cautious just because we don't want to, um, you know, we don't want to go back to the way that we were doing things completely just yet. Um, the way that we had been doing things is just over the top, crazy, um, you know, just huge, uh, more production kind of things that, uh, that, that were a little bit more involved. 
Um, and so we want to kind of tiptoe back to that and do small things while we can, whether it's a key to glass or a special variant in the frozen machines. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking for the uh, return of our, of our slush bowls. Or they were super popular back in 19 when we released them. Um, and so we're really hoping that we can get back to shareable slush bowls here in the next, uh, um, next few months. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, what's your favorite beer style? Oh man. Let's get a little bit personal. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I know it's cliche, but I have to say it. It's the beer that's in front of me. Um, <laughs> I, I can appreciate so many beers for what they are. Um, I really like, you know, barrel aged Imperial stouts, but there are days where I just want something that, um, I can, I can put, you know, two or three back and, and not, you know, have to go take a nap. So, right. um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm really enjoying my, you know, my, my light lagers. We've even done some light American lagers where they're, you know, adjuncts, um, like a good percentage of the grist bill is corn. So been drinking a lot of lagers. I've been drinking a lot of Imperial stouts and, um, you know, even the, uh, the pastry sour stuff is, what I uh, have been going to a lot lately. So, uh, if you were a beer, what beer would you be? Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to say a a Ralph beer, um, because uh, I'm smoky and kind of uh, spicy at times. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm an acquired taste. <laughs> like or at least I can be an acquired taste. <laughs> That's one of my favorite questions to ask people now because I love the answers that they get that people get creative with. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna catch some shit from I'm sure some of my employees. At least uh, you know, Miranda's definitely going to give me some shit for that one. So <laughs> I like it. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're smoky, huh? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> smoky. Um, so, um, outside of beer, who are you, Kyle? <laughs> That's a really good question. So, uh, this is actually kind of a funny thing. Uh, my, you know, my wife has always encouraged me to get, uh, get hobbies outside of whatever I'm doing as a profession, um, which is funny because then that became my profession. Um, <laughs> and uh, it, it's been kind of all-consuming for the last seven, eight years, and uh, this last fall, she was like, you need to get a hobby. And I said, do you remember what happened with the last one you, you, you suggested? So this is a dangerous proposition. I said, so I'm going to take this, I'm going to have to think about this for a minute. Um, and so I ended up taking up, uh, it's, it's corny as hell. Um, I ended up taking up making mustard as a, as a hobby, um, just different kinds of stone ground mustard. And, you know, I'm like, this is definitely a safe hobby. I'm not going to be, you know, making this. But apparently there's still packaging involved with that. I shared it with one of my employees this last week. And he was like, this is really good. Like, don't tell me that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, uh, outside of craft beer and outside of the brewery realm, uh, you know, uh, there's some work to be done on that front because there is a lot of me wrapped up into uh, into my daily, daily work. But um, I have... Uh, a wonderful wife, wonderful bulldog at home that uh, we enjoy just kind of hanging out and chilling out, uh, watching movies and, uh, you know, and just enjoying uh, kind of some some break, quiet time away from the brewery. So. What's your favorite movie? Ooh, uh, <laughs> I used to say Braveheart um, just because I absolutely love the story. That's a little bit dated, though. And I think, um, you know, as of late, probably in uh, Lean a little more into like I think Atomic Blonde is one of the best movies that, that has been made in the last probably ten years. So, All right. I just like that you had an answer for that because if somebody asked me what my favorite movie was, I'd be like, uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. We've been uh, binge watching a lot more TV lately uh, <laughs> as opposed to movies. So, wow, that's a lot of Big Bang weird. Theory going on, some Stranger Things. <laughs> oh yeah, Stranger Things. So, yeah, very nice. Those yeah. Are nice. Cool. So, uh, do we see um, some mustard flavored beer in um, your future? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to remember who. I think it was Martin House uh, out of Texas made that, or no, it was Oscar Blues. Oscar Blues made that French's mustard beer. Yeah. Um, and uh, we had we had joked about that, um, but had never uh, never really settled on that. We'll we'll see. We might we might wander into the pickle beer territory first, and then see if we go to mustard, but. 
we might just be no, getting, no definitive plans yet. Maybe just uh, there will be jars of mustard beyond sale at uh, Wiley Roots in the brew in the brew house. <laughs> if that happens, it means I have way more time on my hands, and um, <laughs> and and probably uh, and Miranda's probably decided to go live in the mountains without me. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, you no know more, no more of this. <laughs> Well, that's all we got, unless you have something else you want to add or. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say just, uh, you know, be kind to one another and enjoy craft beer. Um, yeah. It's a crazy, crazy time to be alive. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, we're all going to make it through this uh, on the outside, on the backside. I'm sure hopefully oh, yeah. better for, uh, better for the word, right? Or better for the wear is the, is the, uh, is the term. So. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time with us, Kyle. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. And yeah, uh, eventually we'll, we're going to be back in Denver eventually, and we're definitely going to have to make a little side trip to Greeley. Heck yeah. Sounds great. Yeah, let me know when you guys do, and yeah, I'd love to show you around the brewery. All right. Absolutely. Well, cheers. Perfect. Cheers. Y'all enjoy. Um, you know, as cheesy as it sounds at the very end, because. I mean, saying like, you know, we're all in this together and yeah. uh, work hard and be good to people and be kind and this too shall pass. There are, there are all these like cliches, cliches, but, but I mean, they're true. true. It's true. And I mean, you know, no matter where you land on issues, this has been a long year, you know, of this whole long year like COVID we're almost halfway and, into 2021 and it was well, last I mean, year too yeah yeah the whole pandemic <laughs> thing and no matter where you land on it it is it's been stressful for everybody and oh and, and speaking, it's like we talked about with kyle you know it's gonna take some I, giving a shit about your friends and neighbors and yeah. and making and sure they're okay loved that he mentioned that like that that that's yeah. one thing that's worthwhile mentioning is um is mental health like being aware of that so yeah, check in on people. Even if you checked in on them a lot before, or your friends or your neighbors or whoever, check on them more often now. Just, hey, how are you doing? Hey, here's some beer. Hey, here's a smile. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's all it takes sometimes. There is a lot that can be said from our mental health situation in this country and just people not being nice to each other and not listening to each other. Yeah. If we just do that, it's it'll at least make things better. Sometimes it's okay to shut up and listen. Yeah, that's something we both have to work at. We really do, you know? I mean, we t we talk a lot and we talk to each other a lot and other people a lot. And it's natural to want to fix things and make, you know, and yeah. give advice and all that stuff. And sometimes it's, you're not even needing to give advice. You're just needing to let somebody unload on you, you know, really. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so to bring it back, so to, to, get to, out to of the deep a... depths of deepness and depthness. The deep depths of deepness and depthness. Let's bring it back. I think Kenny needs a slushy. I think he does too. <laughs> and I've never had a slushy beer, actually. Actually, if so, I'm not. I, I really want to love. I want to try it. I want to love like the fruited beers and like the sours because they sound phenomenal. Their flavors and all that sound amazing and so maybe that's the way i can find my gateway beer into fruited into sours is through slushies and maybe that could bring summer along quickly because i'm so excited for summer like it feels like we've been in this like gray cloudy <laughs> dreary spring no matter where we've gone this last spring and it's taking forever to like feel like spring and summer so the slushies that kyle was talking about kind of had me drooling a little bit i mean say some of the names well yeah i mean that's what i was gonna say i, I was like where we're, you're were talking there i was pulling up some of their beer list because they do a they don't just do like oh here's a here's a lemon sour here's a blueberry sour blah 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 and that's cool that's fine whatever are, if that's what you like but you know wait not all these are slushies are they no not all these are slushies but, but the, the some flavors. of their pastry sours uh, Banana. Mandarin orange meringue tart. Mar Mandarin orange. Isn't it just a meringue? Meringue. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot we're not doing the dance here. The meringue, not the meringue. That's a dance, back. right? 
Wait, there was a banana meringue tart. Yeah. The Key Lime County Fair Cobbler, which they completely won a blue ribbon on. If you listen to the podcast, you knew they won a blue ribbon on that one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they do all kinds of fruited stuff. And like right now, they've got a couple slushies and they're and this is they this changes all the time they add and change things and do all kinds of funky flavors all the time well but if you if they were like listening peach to the, lemonade cherry limeade yeah, if they were listening to the podcast they were talking slushy. about the fruit the fruit lady bringing in some kinds of fruit oh, for yes. surprise slushies coming out oh speaking of the fruit lady that made me think of something um with malt europe actually what were you saying off 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 uh, off the podcast before we were talking about this and you said it perfectly yeah i mean this whole series that we're doing is Malt Europe wanted to spotlight, put the spotlight on the brewers that they work with. They don't want the brewers to put the spotlight on them. Yeah. But, and that's exactly our goal too, actually, when we talk to breweries, when we talk to brewers, brewery owners, uh, beer tenders, whoever, like we want to highlight them and we want to tell you, our listeners, their stories. Um, granted, we have a lot of fun doing it, <laughs> yeah, but we really do. that's the goal is just to get their stories out there to make you realize that there's people behind the beer. So well, yeah, because everybody has a story, and, and it's always fun to hear those stories. Yeah. so Go a little deeper. We hope you enjoy the stories. Anyhow, we have to go to our regular spiel of... A regular, what's our regular spiel? spiel? A regular spiel of subscribing and buy us a beer. It's all about giving and caring, caring and receiving. receiving. And buying us a beer and subscribing <laughs> to our podcast and telling your friends and sending us a note and saying hi and coming to visit us in um, and coming in to visit us in Big Fork because we're going to be here um, on through September 30th until we head to, to Ure, Colorado. For Camp Carpe Diem. Camp Carpe maybe. Diem. Want more information on that? The only thing I'm going to say is C-A-M-P-C-A-R-P-E-D-I-E-M.com. Check it out because you'll definitely want to come hang out with us then. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Nope, I think with that, there's only one thing left. Cheers. Cheers. Peace out. We'd love to hear from you, so keep the conversation going. Send us a note, share a beer recommendation or two, or just say hey. This Stout Conversation has been brought to you by livingastoutlife.com, where you can find community and resources for all your craft beer travel and adventure lifestyle needs.